0: Welcome to Rewished, a charmed 1998 Rewatch podcast. Join us on our journey as we recap, examine, and critique the series episode by episode from the beginning.
1: We'll be keeping our podcast spoiler-free, so we welcome fans new and old to join us in watching and reflecting on one of our favorite shows. Currently, we're on season two.
0: I'm your host, Jess Savanko. And
1: I'm your host, Mia Sabanko.
0: Now let's get into this week's episode. This week, we're discussing season two, episode 19, Ex Libris. It originally aired on April 27th, 2000 and had 4.34 million viewers.
1: Okay, so we start out in the manor in the living room and there's candles and low lights, a bottle of champagne on ice and, you know, Piper's there and she looks all pretty and is arranging things and putting on music. It's very romantic. Then Prue walks in and notices and she's like, oh, are you expecting company? And Piper's like, you think? Prue, what are you doing here? I'm supposed to have the house to myself tonight. And Prue's like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought that was tomorrow. And Piper says that she thought she was out on assignment says that she was all day and has been developing her photos and wants Piper's opinion on them so she shows them to her and she says the magazine wants me to capture faces in the city so I went to the hate and took these shots but look at this man he's in every single one of my pictures I mean I didn't really focus on him I didn't even notice him until I got home but there he is in all of them just hanging out and Piper thinks that maybe he's homeless, and Prue points out the flyers that he's handing out, and that he looks sad and determined. And then Leo orbs in behind them, and they look at each other, and Piper tells Prue bye, and she leaves to go downstairs and work, and she leans in to hug Piper and whispers, no sex without safe sex, and then she goes downstairs And Piper's like, oh, by the way, on the kitchen counter, there's a birthday card for dad if you want to sign it. And she says that she doesn't. And she goes. And then Leo goes over to Piper. And they kiss and orb upstairs together. So I like this. Piper looks so gorgeous here.
0: No, she did. I loved, like, her outfit, her makeup, her hair. It was all
1: perfect. Like, she looked so good. Everything about it. Love her so much. I know this is a cute little intro I feel like it's probably a smart idea for her to have the date at the house rather than maybe somewhere else where they might get called away at least here they know they can take care of shit where they are
0: no definitely and I mean you know all the like romance and everything I'm a little confused about why she was setting up all the romantic stuff in the living room like
1: what yeah What, what was the plan there (laughs)
0: <laughs> like you're
1: trying to get it in on the couch i'm a little confused i mean hey she had the whole she was supposed to have the whole house to herself so who knows Uh that's just like like
0: your whole family sits on that couch piper
1: yeah yeah it is a little weird
0: but you know cute that she wants to plan a little date for them and that you know prue was so excited to like show her her work and everything and i'm interested to see like how this man will come into the episode
1: agreed obviously prue's mention of him the photos we can tell that this is probably going to be important in this episode so i'm excited to see like you said how he plays into it
0: so then we go to the library and phoebe's sitting at a table she's highlighting a book and like trying to like sneakily eat her chips but they're being like very loud and crunchy at the next table, we see there's a blonde girl studying and she looks over and Phoebe apologizes. And then, you know, the girl holds up her own bag of chips and was like, I won't tell if you won't. And Phoebe introduces herself and the girl's name is Charlene. And she says that they actually have met before. They had a class together. And it turns out that her dad was the professor of that class and apparently gave her a seat. Um, she said that her and her dad don't get along on anything, but that she's hoping that once she gets her thesis published that will change he'll finally take her seriously and then she's like oh let me like stop talking before i start telling you about my mother and phoebe tells her that it's nice to talk to someone that she's been studying for hours and then phoebe asks what her thesis about and charlene says that it's about the existence of demons in our world she says i've been researching for five years to prove they're not just myths like my dad thinks that they actually really exist." And she says, I've got proof right here. And Phoebe's like, hmm, very interesting, like trying to play it cool. And then she says, but you believe in them too, don't you? I mean, you seem to in class. You certainly knew a lot about them. And then Phoebe, you know, not wanting to have this conversation is like, oh, it's late. Like, I've got to get home and starts packing up her things. And she leaves and Charlene gets up and goes over to like the aisles of books And there's this, like, ominous music playing, and there's, like, these voices speaking in, like, a foreign language. And she goes to pull out a book called The Encyclopedia of Demons, and when she does, there's, like, a man standing there the next aisle over. And she jumps, and she's like, oh my god, you scared me. And, like, at first we think everything's going to be fine, but then he comes, like, through the shelf and pulls her into this portal, and they both disappear.
1: Yes, so... Starting off strong with our girl Charlene <laughs> getting taken. I think it's cu- I think that this actress is very cute and very sweet. I li- I think she plays her part very well. I just want to mm-hmm. say that, that like throughout, I think she does a really great job. And their little introduction to each other was cute, very very simple. They obviously both go to school together, and obviously she's going to play a big part in the episode. Again, wondering how this man will connect into that, and it all will kind of tie together towards the end.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, I like the interaction between the two of them here. Like you said, it was very cute. I was excited for Phoebe to be like making a friend and everything. And, you know, I was really interested in what Charlene knowing about demons was going to mean, but obviously that very quickly gets
1: shown that she interacts with a demon. So we'll see where that goes. Exactly. And throughout the episode, we're going to find out a little more about like what happens when humans find out about demons and kind of what happened to Charlene so I'm excited to get into that too. Yeah me too for sure. So then we have the theme song and it goes back to the manor and it's morning time. Pru walks into the bathroom and the shower's going and the room's like all steamy so she goes over to the mirror and she's like Piper can you do me a favor and feed Kit and she starts getting ready to brush her teeth and She's like, I want to get down to the hate and see if that guy is still on the bus bench. You know, I just couldn't stop thinking about him all night. And she brushes her teeth. And then Piper walks in the door and asks what she's doing in there. And Leo opens the curtain and asks Piper to hand him a towel, shocked to see Prue standing there. And he's like completely naked. And Piper hands him a towel and Prue sees his whole peepee and everything. <laughs> and, and she's like, nice orbs. And then Piper kicks her out of the bathroom, and she's like, "Go on, sicko!" As Prue's like kind of bumping into the wall while staring at Leo. So, So, yeah. Fuck Prue. I know. Like, I would if that happened to me. I I would immediately immediately cover my eyes. I would be so uncomfortable. (laughs) Me too. Like, this is my sister's man. I'd be like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I got. I gotta go." Like, but also, who just opens the shower curtain full on and just stands there? And also, how did he not hear Prue talking? Literally, she was talking for like
0: five minutes.
1: I know, she was talking to him for mad long, brushing her teeth, and he opens the shower like like he had no clue there was anybody in there. And he doesn't even bother to cover up right away either. He's like, oh no, Prue, with his dick just full on out. Like, the whole situation was super weird. And Prue, like, staring at him and, like, laughing about it. Like, ew. I would never. I would never.
0: I would be so uncomfortable. Oh, my God. Also, I feel like if I'm ever in, like, the shower and I don't have a towel, like, I'm, like, peeking out. I'm not full, like, out there, like, expose myself. Yeah.
1: The whole situation was very weird. And I don't know what the the purpose of this scene was. (laughs) Like,
0: it was very clearly for comedic effect, but it was just, like, did not feel realistic to me.
1: No, definitely not realistic. Definitely a little funny, but wasn't realistic at all.
0: Yeah, and I feel like it's just trying to create the idea of kind of, like, Leo getting more incorporated into their household life, which I right. think may continue to be a theme.
1: Right, exactly. that. That's true. And aside from that, obviously, Prue not being able to get this guy out of her mind must mean something. I mean, we kind of learned by now that once they're talking about something or get interested or get drawn to something, it must be something important or supernatural, destiny-wise or whatever.
0: Exactly. (laughs) We're assuming this man is probably some type of innocent that she's meant to help. So then we're downstairs in the kitchen, and Phoebe's asleep by her books at the table, Piper and Leo walk in the room, and Piper wakes her up. Phoebe looks at the clock, and she starts freaking out because she thinks she's late for her finals, but then Piper reminds her that, like, today is Thursday, her finals are on Friday, and she kind of, like, sits back down and calms down. Piper asks her if she did another all-nighter, and then she asks what she's supposed to do. She's like, if I don't ace this final, I'm going to flunk out of school because of all the demon-hunting interruptions. And Piper tells her that she needs to take care of herself and get some rest, and Phoebe says that she will after her finals. She says, I didn't go back to college to fail at it, okay? And she says that she's going to go change and then get back to the library. She's like, if any demon or warlock attacks, just fend them off until Saturday. And then she turns to Leo and she's like, I have a question for you. Is it possible for someone to find proof that demons really do exist? He says, I don't know, maybe. But even if anybody did, nobody would ever know about it anyway evil doesn't want anybody to know it has a system for covering its tracks protecting its identity that's why demons disappear when you guys vanquish them piper asks why she asks and phoebe says that she's just curious she starts to leave and piper tells her to wait and asks if she wants to sign their birthday card for dad and phoebe says why he never sends me one and she leaves and piper's like she's right he doesn't to any of us so why do i keep trying Am I just a sucker for punishment? And Leo like puts his arms around her and says, no, you keep trying because you never give up hope. That's one of the things I love about you. You'll never give up on us. And she asks if he was close to his dad and he tells her that that was a different lifetime and he prefers to focus on the present. She says she has to go to the dentist and asks how long he can stay for. He says until they call and she says well if they don't call before lunch why don't you meet me at the club I'll buy and he says well you'll have to. White lighter pay sucks and then they kiss and she leaves.
1: All right so a lot happening here. I'm very impressed with Phoebe how she's kind of turned her life around and became more determined to do these things like she doesn't want to flunk out of school. She's working really hard to do that and make it a part of her life even though demon hunting interruptions tend to get in the way her working very hard and wanting to like pursue her own career it's very impressive like she's very different than when we first saw her in season one just kind of like new free easygoing didn't really care that much now she's like trying to become something and i'm really i'm really proud of her like i like that we got to see the whole development in her Yeah, me too.
0: And I like seeing her like working so hard and so dedicated. You know, all-nighters are not a good idea, but she's doing it and I'll give her credit where credit's due. She really does want to make sure that she does well on these finals and I'm rooting for her. I'm hoping that she can turn it around and pass these courses and move
1: to her next semester. Agreed. And that's what I was bringing up before about the humans interacting with demons and finding out about them now we know we just find out here because i guess we never really talked about that before that evil covers its tracks like that's why they disappear during the vanquish and that's probably why charlene was taken because she was onto something i wonder if that's something that they stick to throughout the whole show if these like or i guess i'll say that when we get there but I wonder if that's consistent. I mean, I feel like times where they have humans find out because their innocence that they protect, I mean, they never end up getting hurt, but I guess it's only if someone figures it out for themselves.
0: Yeah, that's the thing I'm wondering because I feel like they have to find out in a specific way because even like with Bane, for example, like he knew about demons and a specific demon was after him, but it's not the demon whose job is to cover up Exposure exactly, just a
1: random demon, exactly. So, we don't really know how many different types there are. If it's all of them, if uh, I guess it's certain ways or certain reasoning, we'll find out later on who this demon is and what kind of his role is. But, yeah, I'm just wondering if that's something they stick to, you know. Like, if we have a human finding out, is it going to be the same type of demon that comes after them, you know? So we'll see throughout the show, but it's cool that we finally got to see what happens and why it's been able to be such a secret for so long, because Evil likes to cover its tracks, and I think that, you know, them finally explaining that is is nice.
0: Yeah, I also will raise some questions later in the episode about Evil covering its tracks when it comes to
1: Phoebe and her part in this episode, but I'll save that for later. I was shocked that Phoebe didn't want to sign their dad's card. I mean, she was always the one very pushing for their dad. And I mean, we kind of never really figured out what happened after we first got introduced to him. He just never came back. And I guess they're back to kind of not liking him, not having any relationship with him at all. So it is weird to me that, I mean, it makes sense that Piper's the one that's like, kind of trying to make everything at peace, trying to connect with him. But it does surprise me a little bit that Phoebe didn't want to sign the card.
0: I'll say the one reason it didn't surprise me is when we go back to They're Everywhere, I remember in that episode, which was the last time they were interacting with father figures, kind of like Prue will in this episode, Prue expressed that she didn't miss their dad, Piper expressed that she did, and Phoebe kind of was like, I don't have a relationship with my dad. So I wasn't that surprised that Phoebe was where she's at now though I mean if we're just talking about season one Phoebe I would have been too I think.
1: Yeah I think you're right I think now this more developed Phoebe it's probably she's also the very emotional one so I could see how it could kind of turn from I love him I want a relationship to well I tried and he just doesn't care and I don't want to like you know what I mean like why should I put the effort if he's not? Is probably what she's thinking, which is definitely understandable.
0: Yeah, definitely. And then just my final note on this scene, the little line, you know, white lighter pay sucks. That was cute. I like that little moment between Piper and Leo. Um, Their just adorableness as a couple is
1: there. Yeah, me too. I do love that. But I gotta say, realistically, I'd be a little like okay like (laughs) like damn i gotta buy everything every time i'm sorry but also they're having lunch at her club yeah but this isn't the only time i mean it's kind of like think about it anytime they go to dinner like even when the last episode when he had to leave and she was like check like you know like she she's the one that always is going to have to pay because he doesn't have a job he's i mean he has a job but you know what i mean like not that that's a problem he's like saving the world or whatever it's not his fault but like I don't know I kind of like I like when guys buy me dinner like pay for the dates or things like that
0: oh yeah for sure
1: I don't want to be like girls don't have to or guys always need to pay because I pay too but damn to have to pay every time I would be so sick of that (laughs) It was a cute That's what moment. What happens though. when
0: you're the breadwinner in the relationship? You know, Piper's a successful business owner and Leo's a stay at home wife.
1: Yeah, a stay at home angel, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a cute moment between them. I just thought that was funny. Yeah, I totally agree. So now we are at the hate, and the man from Pru's Photos is sitting on this bench. Prue approaches him and introduces herself, and she gives him her card and asks if it's okay to take his picture, and he's like, why, and he looks just very sad this whole time, and she's like, we're doing a feature called Faces in the City, and I would love to include yours, and then he says that he's not interested and gives her the card back, but then he gives her a flyer and says that he would appreciate it if he if she included this one, and it's a photo of his daughter, Tyra L. Wilson who was murdered at the bus stop six months ago. He says that he's looking for a witness, and Prue sits with him, and she's like, that's why you were sitting here all day yesterday. He says, that's why I'm here every day. I have been since the police quit on us. I'm not leaving until I find somebody who saw what happened. And she's like, how can you be sure that you will? And he says, I will. I have to be sure. And then he asks if she's going to print the picture of Tyra, and she says that it's not up to her. Then the bus pulls up and he stands up and starts trying to hand out flyers to everyone getting off the bus and says that he's looking for a witness. He just seems very desperate, you know, for help. And he sits back down and Prue looks at him and he's like, what? She says, you two must have been very close. And he's like, she was my daughter. It doesn't get any closer. And then Prue looks down and then back at him and she says that she has a friend who's an inspector and maybe she can see if they have any ideas on who did it. He says, I know who did it. The punk who owns that pawn shop across the street, Gibbs. And then we see across the street this bald guy with like a goatee smoking and crew asks why he did it. He's like, wrong place, wrong time. Everybody knows he did it. The problem is he's got everyone too afraid to talk. And they're kind of staring at each other and then Gibbs like, like, him and Gibbs are kind of staring each other down and then Gibbs goes back into his shop so I don't know if you found this as heartbreaking as I did but like his whole demeanor and everything about him throughout this whole episode just like shatters my heart
0: yeah it's kind of like how I imagine like like I feel like if like this is exactly how you imagine like someone going through such a horrible loss would feel especially when they're so unable to get like justice i also want to bring up you know obviously there's the aspect of the episode i don't know how purposeful it is or how like much the show was trying to make this comment but again because of the lack of diversity in the show it stands out We have the police giving up on the investigation of a murdered Black woman, which we know is something that so frequently happens in our country, so there's no way to think about this episode without thinking about that fact of the casting choices.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I don't know if it was intentional, but um, it does definitely come across that way, and it was something I was thinking about, too. I don't know that it would have been the same situation if it were a white woman or a white the white daughter you know but I guess we we won't know but yeah that is what came to mind for me too and that was another piece that made it so heartbreaking you know on top of the fact that this poor guy is like lost his daughter he plays the loss very well exactly like you said how you would expect someone who suffered like that to feel at a time like this especially knowing what happened, and who did it, and not being able to get any justice. It kind of is like that in real life, you know? A lot of situations like that where we do see it a lot, and it, and it's 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 hard to see it in a show, especially played this heavily, like, this intense, it made me want to cry. Not gonna lie.
0: <laughs> no, me too, for sure. And I also, like, I mean, spoiler to, like, two scenes from now, but, I think we do see a difference. And part of this could be because we're talking about a fresh investigation versus an investigation that's six and a half months old. But there's a big difference we see when the white girl is found murdered versus when the black girl was murdered,
1: yeah, agreed. And we'll definitely see that when it when it comes up. And overall, Prue's kind of reaction to this, you could tell it made her just as emotional. and I'm sure a big part of that is everything we've said, seeing him suffer and kind of the situation that he's in. But on top of that, we can imagine that it also kind of has to do with her dad, her father figure that she doesn't really have, you know, knowing whether like seeing, seeing someone so close and so emotional towards their child has got to be hard for her because of her situation. And I think that's kind of why they brought back up the birthday card and kind of played their father in the in the episode too
0: yeah I totally agree and I'm excited to talk more about kind of like him taking on almost this fatherly role for
1: Prue as the episode goes on agreed And Gibbs, they couldn't have made him look more like an asshole. (laughs) No, literally, that was perfect
0: casting. Like, I feel like he's exactly the type of guy I picture, like, owning a pawn shop and being a murderer. So, like, it works.
1: (laughs) Totally worked. Totally worked. He is exactly, exactly what you would expect.
0: I also love the way, like, 90s shows, anytime you see someone smoking a cigarette, they're the villain. Like, it's just so funny. Every time i love it so then we go to p3 and leo and dan are just fighting and they're breaking shit all over the club like it's a mess and then piper walks in and she's like hey 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 and she freezes them just as dan is about to sucker punch leo in the face and she unfreezes just leo and he kind of steps away and she's like what the hell's going on here and leo's like don't ask me he just came in here punching And Piper's like, Dan did? Well, what did you do to him? And he's like, what did I do? Nothing. And she's like, oh, come on, Leo. He had to have a reason. And she's like, uh, and Leo says, like, losing you isn't enough reason. And Piper's not really sure, but tells him to go back to where he was. And Leo's like, are you kidding me? He's about to clock me. And Piper's like, I'm sorry. I can't help you with that. Let's go. And he goes back to where he was, but when Piper unfreezes them, he ducks, and Dan punches the wall, and Piper kind of gives Leo a look, and he just shrugs, and then Dan grabs his hand in pain, and he's like, Piper, where did you come from? And she's like, I'll be the one asking the questions. What the hell is going on? And Dan tells her to ask Leo, and Piper's like, I did, I mean, I will, I'm asking you first. And he says he has to go and leaves. And then Piper turns to Leo and he looks up because like that white lighter jingly noise is going on. And she's like, oh, no, you don't. They can wait. And he says that he has to go and orbs out. And you could just tell Piper is super pissed.
1: So what the hell happened here? I loved it. This whole fighting scene between Dan and Leo was so good. It was so good. And I feel like Dan has been waiting for this moment. (laughs) literally like this has been Dan building wanting and Dan... to let this out oh for sure and the fact that neither of them are telling piper what's going on i would be pissed if i was piper. i wouldn't know what to do if i was piper
0: No, literally. Also, the fact that they literally just destroyed her fucking club, and then we're like, "Oh, got a dip? Like, (laughs) what? You better
1: get back in there and clean that up." Literally, so disrespectful. And then we see her like a couple scenes later, and she's like cleaning it all up herself. Like this poor girl. (laughs) I would be so mad about it.
0: Literally, like you guys are both like destroying her property right now. I know
1: she could have you both arrested. (laughs) Literally oh but that's hilarious so at the moment I guess we don't know what happened between Dan and Leo but we'll find out eventually
0: I also don't get why like neither of them will tell Piper like why are you
1: both being so shady yeah
0: I I get get Dan
1: more really I get Leo more
0: because for me Dan doesn't want to say it in front of Leo I feel like um and wants to give Leo the opportunity to tell Piper the truth but like Leo Piper is asking you one on one what happened and you're like i don't know like you're lying to her
1: yeah but i i think i get i think i get Leo for sure like why and and when we find out the reasoning i'll I'll kind of explain that a little more but i kind of understand where Leo's coming from here once once we find out i'll get to it
0: All right, we could talk more about our thoughts on who was kind of right and wrong in this situation after we find out more.
1: Yeah. So now we are outside of the library and Phoebe is walking up to the library and she sees that CSU is there and she walks up to the line and sees Daryl by this body that's kind of all covered up and she calls his name and he walks over to her. And Daryl's like, don't tell me. Demons, right? Or is it warlocks this time? Phoebe's like, obviously confused. And he realizes that she's not there about the body and tells her that a student was decapitated and her body was dumped there. And Phoebe asks who it was and finds out that it was Charlene. And then Daryl asks if Phoebe knew her. And she's like, I saw her last night in the library. And we see the body is carried off. So, now we find out that Charlene was murdered, and I feel like it was such a- for a demon having taking her, it was a very, like, <sighs> human murder? I don't know, does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I also, like, if he- his goal is to, like, hide demons, right? So why wouldn't he just, like, disappear her body? Like, why did the body need to be found?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I was wondering, because then they're going to be looking and find no trace of anything or anyone that could have killed her. Yeah. So it's doesn't make that much sense, but I don't know, whatever. Obviously, we know that it actually does involve demons, but Phoebe has no clue about any of this and doesn't know yet, Um, and neither does Daryl, so.
0: Yeah, but I love how Daryl's, like, starting to, like, pick up on it. He's like, it's a demon, right?
1: yeah. I know. He walks over like, don't even tell me. I already know. Like, you're here because this girl died and it has to do with the demon. And she's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I love that. We see that happening again in this um in this episode, and poor Daryl is just, like, getting so fed up with this shit. I know. So, back inside, Phoebe walks into the library and starts setting her stuff up at a table, and Charlene is standing by the next table, and she says to her, like, She says hey to Phoebe and Phoebe looks over and is like shocked and Charlene's like do you have an aspirin? I have a splitting headache and Phoebe's like you're supposed to be uh and she's like supposed to be what? Then the library cart goes right through her and Phoebe sees this but Charlene doesn't notice so obviously she's just a ghost and they just kind of stare at each other. Phoebe obviously doesn't really know what to say right now.
0: So I feel like it's a cliche but I love it for this episode kind of like the plot of a ghost not knowing they're a ghost. I feel like it adds like a fun element to the episode and I do enjoy kind of like Charlene's journey to figuring out she's dead.
1: Yeah I agree with that. I think she she plays it well as we see her kind of figure find out that she is dead and obviously a part of her has to know that she isn't alive but it's kind of a part of that whole shock I guess and currently doesn't realize that she is dead and it's so funny that phoebe can see her and like talks to her out in the open and i like everyone around is probably like yo this crazy bitch what is she well, talking to? like she's
0: really been studying too long
1: <laughs> she needs some sleep is what she needs
0: <laughs> so then we're at p3 and Piper's sweeping up broken glass, and she's, like, on the phone asking for Dan to call her back. Phoebe walks in, and Piper's like, they're both ducking me. And Phoebe's like, who both? And then she sees, like, everything broken. She's like, what happened in here? And Piper says, Leo and Dan, I found them in here beating the crap out of each other, and neither one of them will tell me why. She's like, well, I hate to top that, but I'm dealing with a ghost who doesn't know she's a ghost. She thinks she's still alive. And then... Phoebe starts telling her about Charlene, and that she tried to tell her, but couldn't. And Piper's like, you're right, yours tops mine. And Phoebe's just, like, confused, because she doesn't get how Charlene doesn't know she's dead. And Piper thinks that she's probably in shock. And Phoebe says, why today of all days? I have got to study. And then she's like, hey, I know. Maybe you can help me out with this one, and then I can take the next two ghosts. And Piper's like, nice try, Phoebs. You know how this works. The ghost came to you for a reason, and more than likely, it's to get justice for her murder so she can move on. And Phoebe says she thinks that a demon killed her. And then Piper's like, oh, and you were going to pawn this off on me. And uh, Phoebe's like, well, no, I was going to tell you about the demon part sooner or later. And she says that she thinks it was evil covering its tracks and tells Piper about Charlene finding proof of demons. Piper tells her that she needs to find out what the proof was. But first, she needs to tell her that she's dead. And Phoebe's like, I know, that's the problem. How do you tell someone
1: that their life is over? And they both look kind of sad. So it is kind of hard to think about it like that. I mean, the position that they have to be in, because there are so many times, it's like when doctors have to tell you you're not going to make it or tell your family that you didn't survive, things like that. You know, this is kind of what they have to do. A lot too, I feel like, in their situation and their line of demon hunting and everything. And they can't save everybody. And it's got it's gotta be hard for them to realize that as it continues. And I think that throughout the show we'll probably see how that tends to affect them.
0: Yeah. At definitely. different times in
1: different ways. So
0: And I feel like we've even been seeing that come up in the last few episodes. I mean, in the first episode of the season, you know, we have where Fru is talking to that older woman after Andy's death and talking about a lot of death in her line of work. And then we also had in How to Make a Quilt Out of Americans when Piper was talking about how she didn't want a life where there was so much death around her. So I think we've already seen that affecting them. And I think, you know, this is just one example of them having to make choices or having to lose innocence. And that's a theme that like you said, I think will continue to be repeated throughout the show and how they react might be different at different points in their life, depending on what else is going on for them.
1: Right, exactly. Everything you said, I mean, we don't we we've definitely seen how it's affected them so far. And it's just kind of something I'm wondering if they ever get used to or kind of adjust to, but I feel like how do you really adjust to something like that? So throughout the show we'll we'll see. The differences at different times with different people, and yeah, I guess you're right. We have definitely seen a lot of that lately. And on top of that, I feel like this isn't too much, it's kind of just going over the information that we already know. You know, Leo and Dan were fighting, and we don't know why. And uh, Phoebe's got her friend that's a ghost and doesn't know that she's a ghost and has to figure that out,
0: yeah. I feel like this scene is, like, heavy exposition, but at the same time, there are little bits that push the plot forward, so I can kind of forgive some of that exposition.
1: Yeah, definitely agree. So, now we are at the police station, and Prue walks in and goes up to Daryl, and he's like, See, I knew it. I was right the first time. You guys don't give me nearly enough credit. And Prue's super confused, and then he says, First Phoebe, now you. I've learned by now that if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, and she's like, what are you talking about? And he says, demons, you're here to tell me that one got Charlene, right? And Prue's like, okay, number one, I have no idea who Charlene is. And number two, I'm here to talk about Clavant Wilson's daughter, Tyra. And he says, Tyra, she wasn't killed by demons. And she's like, no, but you guys have an idea of who killed her, right? And he's like, we've got a pretty good idea. And Prue's like, just a pretty good idea. And he's like, all right, a very good idea. Why are you so interested? And then Prue says how she's drawn to him for some reason. And usually that that means she's meant to help. And he says, unless you can just magically turn up a witness, I doubt there's anything you can do. He's like, you can't, right? Like, magically do that? And she's like, no, if I could do that, Daryl Clavant wouldn't be out there giving up his life trying to find one. And then he says, you really want to help? Convince him to give up trying. Help him to move on. No one is ever going to testify against Gibbs. We've been down that road. And she's like, he's never going to give up, Daryl. His daughter was his entire life, and why are you guys so okay with giving up? And he says, look, Gibbs owns that street. Tyra was probably gunned down because she saw something he didn't want her to see. And short of us finding a witness or him walking up on the street and confessing, there's nothing I can do. And then Prue's like, well, maybe there's something I can do. Um, And obviously, like, comes up with an idea. And then she leaves. Ugh. Ugh. ah. I didn't like that. I really didn't. Daryl's whole reaction to that. Just very willing to give up. Like, completely stopped caring. Especially, which, you noted this here, but I was thinking the same thing. Like... We know that Daryl's a father. We know that Daryl has a kid and a family, like, and you're just saying convinced him to give up. Like, how could you say something like that? Would you ever give up on finding your child's murder? Not even finding him, just getting justice for it? That's crazy. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, like, I,
0: like, as he's saying it, I'm like, ugh, Daryl. This is
1: not the Daryl I love right now. I know. And I, I get it that, you know, without a witness, there's not a lot legally that they can do. But to give up trying and to tell him, like, well, whatever, it's not even worth the fight anymore, basically, is pretty unfair, I think. Like, they could still be working hard. Like, you guys know who this murderer is and are so willing to just be like, whatever, like, on to the next. and why is that Gibbs
0: owns that street like what so this guy's like what like a mob boss and you're not trying to take him down you're just like whatever
1: I would be like you would think they'd be at least like building some like you know some things against him and maybe trying to find shreds of evidence that he might have missed just because you don't have a witness like No witness, no solution. Like, imagine if it was like that for every murder. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It's, no, it's, I yeah, I didn't like this.
0: You obviously think of him as, like, a career criminal. Like, if you can't catch him for the murder, try to catch him
1: for something else. Get him off the street. Yeah, exactly. I definitely agree. I don't, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't like the way that Daryl handled the situation and how, The police station in general because obviously all of them are on the same page about that I don't I don't like how that went down for Tyra yeah but um I'm glad that Prue is defending Levant and Tyra very hard and trying really hard to get justice for her and peace for him yeah and I was funny in the beginning Daryl kind of being like you guys don't give me enough credit like I know I already know it's gonna be a demon like he's so sure of it (laughs) Which he's not wrong, but they don't know that still at the at the time.
0: Yeah. And it's funny because, like, in the beginning of the scene, I was like, oh, I'm loving this. I'm loving this. And then we get later in the scene and I'm like, oh, fuck
1: these cops. Yeah, I know. Hate that. I feel like it's kind of like, I mean, I hope it's not realistic, but I feel like we do see that a lot. People kind of giving up like that or cops not doing everything that they can. Unless it was maybe for their own, like something personal to them, then it would be a different story. But it shouldn't be like that.
0: A rich white girl who's the daughter of a college professor, like Charlene, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe her murder is going to get a lot more attention.
1: Yeah. Who knows, I guess.
0: So then we're outside of P3. And Piper is hanging up a poster saying that the Goo Goo Dolls are playing there on Saturday, and I love the Goo Goo Dolls, so yay. Um, Me too. (laughs) Dan pulls up, and he gets out of his truck, and then he walks over to her and has, like, a folder in his hand, and he's like, I got your messages, all eight of them. Okay, Dan, what you being so pissy for? You literally destroyed her club. You should be getting eight messages. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And then she's like, oh, so do you want to tell me what the fight is about? And he's like, actually, I was hoping Leo would, but I gather he hasn't. And Piper's like, he's uh, unreachable, apparently. And he's like, you know, this is very awkward for me. I don't want to come across as the jealous ex, but that's not what this is about. That's why I went to Leo first. But see, I started it. I came at him with this very hard and piper's kind of like with what and he's like do you remember my brother-in-law who works for the state department when i asked him about leo well he found something that wasn't right with leo's army records and she's like dan he's like i know i asked him not to go any deeper about this but he did and he sent this my way i found something very unusual and he hands her the folder he's like leo isn't who he says he is but what you do with it is all up to you And Piper starts to walk away and then turns back. And he's like, you know, I'm still here for you. I'm still your friend. And he leaves and then Piper looks at the folder and then at Dan.
1: That's so sad. I mean, Dan really does just care about Piper. And I mean, I'm sure part of it is like, yeah, jealousy. But at the same time, everything he's saying, like he really just wants her to be okay, wants her to be safe, like his perspective he thinks that there's just this guy who's lying about his identity and his life, and that could be dangerous for her, you know? He doesn't want her getting involved in that. So I, I definitely understand why Dan was so upset and so defensive. Also, like, he could have apologized about the club or anything, but whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, this scene is kind of the scene that puts me very much, like, on to Dan's I don't want to say Dan's side because I'm not saying like Leo's the villain. There are some things Leo does in this episode that I don't agree with. But like, I do feel like Dan here really does have the best of intentions because he even says, you know, like, I didn't want him to go any further. But like, when he sent this to me and I saw it, like I had to say something. And like, he didn't even want to start a fight with Piper, right? So that's why he chose to approach Leo about it because he was like, maybe Leo could give him some answers about what the hell is going on as opposed to him just starting some fight between Piper and Leo.
1: Right. It definitely, you could tell that he had really good intentions based on everything, and it it shouldn't have been a problem. I, I definitely see Dan's side. I don't, I'm not really on anybody's side here. I mean, like I said, I totally understand Dan, and there are things that I don't agree with Leo, um, what he did, but we'll get to that once we find out a little bit more. But it's still, I, I still am able to understand Leo's perspective in this.
0: Yeah. And you know what? Maybe it's wrong to say I'm team Dan. I'm actually team Piper. Like they should not be disrespecting her club. They should not be keeping secrets
1: from her. Like, yeah, I I agree. Team Definitely Piper. team Piper here. <laughs> team Piper.
0: I'll just say that it's sweet that, you know, Dan's kind of like, I'm still here for you. I'm still your friend. Like, I think that Dan had does have a good heart and does genuinely care about Piper and I think that she also genuinely cares about him I think that their relationship ending again wasn't because something was wrong between them it was just because she loved Leo more so I do like understand that like need that they both still might have to protect each other
1: agreed yeah definitely and, and it's very clear here that they both do care about each other a lot and that it's not just like a Like you said, there was no bad blood between them.
0: Yeah. Even the way she was kind of, like, defending Dan in the previous scene with Leo and kind of, like, well, Dan had to have her reason. Because, like, she knows Dan well enough to know that, like, he wouldn't just attack Leo out of nowhere.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So now, inside P3 and also kind of in Prue's car, Piper and Prue are on a phone call and it goes back and forth. Prue's like, what? Leo's married? And Piper's like, yeah, there's even a photo of her being presented his purple heart after he died. She's pretty. Her name's Lillian. And she's like, Prue, why didn't he tell me about her? Why would he hide that from me? And Prue says that she needs to ask him. And she's like, well, I'd love to, but he's conveniently out of the calling area at the moment. Leave it to me to fall in love with an angel who happens to be married. Maybe he didn't tell me about her because he's still in love with her. And Prue's like, no, come on, how do you know she's even still alive? And Piper says that she did an internet search and is thinking of going to see her. Prue says that she thinks it's a bad idea, but she has to go and talk to this pawn shop guy before he closes so they'll talk more later. And then they hang up and Piper stares at the photo of Lillian being presented the Purple Heart.
0: All right, so I'm once again going to bring up, so <laughs> Leo was 18 and
1: already I know. married. I was thinking the same exact thing. And how old was she? Like, she looked not 18.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, literally, these, these were grown adults. These were not 18 year olds. I'm sorry.
1: No, like, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't, I don't know. I wish the show kind of had thought about that a little better. But whatever, I guess things were different then. That was my thought too, was like, he was married at 18. That's, crazy but
0: I mean it's not that
1: it was super
0: unusual it's just like if he was married at 18 he probably like just got married yeah but also like I don't know it's it's just confusing to me because I'm like how long were they together like I just I need to know more
1: yeah I definitely want some details I kind of like we can assume I guess that like maybe it was like They were together for a while, high school sweethearts or whatever, and then he got drafted or something, and they kind of wanted to get married because they were in love and wanted it to be like, yeah, let's do this just in case.
0: But I also will say, like, if Leo was 18, another thing about his backstory that doesn't make sense to me, like, he was going to medical school. You need to finish college before you could go to medical school. So he'd have to be at least 22 if he was in medical school. No, at least, like, 20 or 21.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, none of it, none of it adds up.
0: Like, show, you really need to do some more research on how age works, because... I know. It's not consistent, it's not there.
1: I know, I really wish they were more consistent about it, because a lot of it doesn't add up. But I will say, I like that we finally start to get a glimpse of Leo's past more. I mean, really all that we knew about him was that he was in the army and died during World War II at some point, so this is like probably a little more information and we find out a little more about him moving forward in this episode. So uh, I did like that. We got that like Leo got included in this, you know, cause I've been wondering about his backstory, who he is, where he came from, what his life was like back then. And that's kind of why I understand his side a little bit. I do think that it was wrong for him to have lied about that or hide. Hidden it from Piper. There's no denying that. But I also have to think about it like he has this whole new life, you know, like that life is over for him. He still cared about Lily and I'm sure, and, you know, whatever happened to him at war, but he knows that he can't go back to that. He probably tries to keep it hidden away. And it's probably hard for him to think about things like that. It's probably hard for him to think about his past and, his ex-wife and all of that. Not that it was right that it was hidden from Piper, but I understand why he kind of doesn't want to talk about it, why he's very shut down about it.
0: Yeah. I feel like for me, cuz I understand very much why Piper's upset here, cuz I feel like Piper we saw it earlier in the episode like when she asked questions about like his previous life, he's like kind of dodgy with her. So I get her being like, well, there has to be a reason he's keeping all of this for me. And I think once he explains himself and they have a conversation about it, I'm like, okay, if he doesn't want to tell her everything about his previous life, that's fair. But I feel like he should have said that from the very beginning. Like, listen, this was a whole nother lifetime to me. Like, I don't like to, like, think about it. Because I had to separate myself from that life when I became a white lighter. Like something like that, instead of just being like, oh, like it's the past, whatever. Cause like I'm sure if he asked Piper questions about her past, her past relationships, her
1: family, like she would be open and honest with him. Right. And that's definitely an issue that he needs to work on. And, you know, once they have a conversation, it it kind of becomes a little more clear. But I don't know. I I I can't I can't really blame him here. Like It's not easy to just, like, know what you have to do, you know? Yeah, Like, yeah, he should have told Piper, and he knows that too, but it's not easy to just do that. And it's not like he really did anything against her, and it's not like it had anything to do with her. It was his own personal emotions and kind of things that he needs to overcome. So to expect him to just immediately off the bat be like, like, oh, by the way, like, let me be honest and tell you this, like... He probably is just so used to being closed off about it and not really being able to talk about things like that, that it was just kind of second nature, you know? Yeah, that's true, and I mean- I think that might be part of why, because Leo has never been a liar, like, we've never seen anything like that. I don't think that he had any bad intentions, you know?
0: Yeah, and I think as a white lighter, you know, like, dating has probably never really been part of his life, so this has never probably been anything he's had to do before since, like,
1: becoming a white lighter. Exactly. So, not that I don't agree, because I do agree 100%, but I'm able to kind of understand the difficulty for Leo in this situation, is all I'm saying, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, But I also, you know, I get the conclusions that Piper's jumping to and her wanting those answers.
1: Oh,
0: 100%. I also feel like it's a little wrong for her to go behind Leo's back and talk to Lillian, but I do understand why she does it, given that when she has asked him questions about his past, he has been dodgy about it with her already.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, if I was her, all of these things would be running through my mind, too. And honestly, I'd probably end up doing the same thing, even though it's probably not right. But, like you said, I understand her reaction. side. and Exactly. I, under- I understand her side. I understand his side. I understand Dan's side. No one's really in the wrong here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just a difficult situation.
0: So then we're at the pawn shop, and Prue walks in, and... We see Gibbs walk out from the back and he tells her that they're closed. And she's kind of like, oh, but it's only whatever time. And he's like, get the hell out. And she's like, you know, you don't scare me. He's like, well, then you're stupid, lady. And stupid people don't last long in this neighborhood. Ask around. And she walks closer to him. She's like, are you threatening me? And like, I'm obsessed with the way that Shannon Doherty like delivered that line. Like, I was like, yes, bitch. (laughs) I love it. Get it. So badass. And he's like, what are you, a reporter? Do you work for the DA's office? What? You know, I've seen you out there talking to that dead kid's old man. I know what you want. And she's like, is that right? He's like, yeah, and you ain't getting it. Nobody's gonna mouth on me, nobody. And like, also mouth on me, is that an expression? I've never heard that before in my entire life. (laughs) And then he tells her that she's wasting her time and that she's trespassing and they kind of have this stare down And then Prue starts to leave, and she's like, you know, it must be something living off of other people's pain. I hope it doesn't come back to haunt you, Link. And then she goes, and as she's walking out the door, uses her, like, power to make a piano, like, accordion thing fall onto him.
1: So, I absolutely love Prue in this whole scene. She's so badass. Very, like, simple lines, but you could tell she's not threatened by him. He's, like, weirdly intense right off the bat for no reason. Like, weirdly very aggressive, but whatever. I guess that's just him. And her just being very, like, oh, is that right? Are you threatening me? And not really saying anything, just kind of showing that he's not afraid of her and this is going to come back in the end. And come back to haunt him which we're gonna see what happens towards the end but (laughs) yeah no I mean I'm pretty much gonna say the same
0: thing like I really love the way that it's so clear that he's trying so hard to intimidate her and she's just not intimidated at all like Prue is definitely like the match for him because she's like you don't scare me and she's honest about it like she's not putting on a front like she's really not afraid and I feel like that's what makes the scene work
1: Yeah, so badass. It was perfect. Loved this scene.
0: And then, you know, just the little conclusion to this scene. So then we cut outside and Prue walks out of the pawn shop and we see that her and Cleavon kind of like look at each other from across the street and she just looks really sad that so far she's not done as much to help as she wants to.
1: Like I said, it's so clear how much she just wants to help him and get justice and help him to move on and move forward with his life like they're all such emotional giving people that it's it's very nice it's very sweet when we see moments like this and how much they really do care for others
0: yeah definitely
1: all right so now we are back at the library and phoebe walks up to charlene's table and charlene walks over and scares her And the librarian gives Phoebe a dirty look for, like, making a noise, and Charlene apologizes for scaring her. And Phoebe asks how she's feeling, if she feels any different, and Charlene thinks she's talking about her headache, and she's like, oh, yeah, I feel kind of weird in general. And Phoebe suggests that they go talk somewhere else so they won't disturb anyone because the librarian lady is, like, looking at her up and down. And then Charlene asks if something is wrong, and Phoebe tells her that she's a ghost. And she's like, I know this sounds crazy, and it's probably really hard for you to accept, but think about it, Charlene. When was the last time you ate something, or were hungry for that matter, or slept? I mean, are you tired right now, Charlene? Are you even tired? And she's like, what are you saying? And Phoebe's like, I'm saying that I think a demon killed you last night. That's what I'm trying to say, and the only reason I can see you is because I'm a witch and I'm supposed to help you. And Charlene's like, I think you're the one who needs help, not me. And she starts to walk away. Phoebe's like, you don't believe me? Then try picking something up. You know as well as I do that neophyte ghosts cannot channel their anger into moving material objects. Try picking up a book. See for yourself. And then Charlene walks over to do it. And as she's about to grab the book, she stops. Obviously kind of scared that phoebe's telling the truth and she's like this is ridiculous i am not dead i've got a full life ahead of me and i will finish my thesis and i will be published and she walks away and phoebe runs after but then she stops and she looks at charlene's books and notes on the table and she turns the page and um has a premonition of the demon who killed charlene killing her too and then she gasps as like the premonition shows him about to decapitate her And the librarian yells at her to shush and Phoebe kind of like waves at her and looks away holding her throat.
0: So I really loved this scene. Um, I think the chemistry between Alyssa Milano and the actress playing Charlene is really strong. I think they play off each other really well. And I really buy this moment for Charlene and I understand exactly what she's going through. Kind of this denial and this refusal to accept what's happened because it's clear that she deep down knows Phoebe is right, but she's just not ready to take that step and accept that she's dead. Because, I mean, how do you accept that? She's probably right. in her early 20s. This has got to be hard for her.
1: Right. Everything, everything you just said is basically, I'm thinking the same thing. I think the chemistry between them was incredible. She plays, Charlene plays the moment very well in the emotions and kind of like the fear and to accept something like that they do play off each other really well and i like the way that phoebe told her and tried to kind of convince her and is kind of understanding too and then this premonition we find out that now phoebe is the next victim
0: which i have thoughts about that because like wouldn't the demon know that phoebe's a witch so, why would they need to protect too. the secret of magic from someone who already knows
1: about magic? I mean, how does he know that Phoebe's a witch, though? I feel like demons just know. No, because we've seen them. Remember, like Rodriguez kind of had to get to Andy and study them and look after the Hallowells to confirm that they are witches, confirm their theories. Jeremy had to wait a long time after Grams to kind of figure out if that was happening. Nicholas, he waited, you know, things like that. So I feel like they don't just automatically know that they're witches, which is weird to me because, I mean, obviously demons knew about Grams and that the Charms ones were going to come one day. And Patty, like they fought demons their lifetimes and knew that they had kids, three girls, but I guess nobody knew that they were going to be the Charmed Ones, which is confusing to me, but it is consistent that they kind of have to do the research to find out that they are the witches.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I mean, also, it's not like Phoebe has an active power and could have exposed that she was a witch right away. And I mean, even if he did find out he was a witch, he's a demon, he would probably still want to kill her anyway. Exactly. But I just feel like if his whole purpose is to, like, detect humans finding out about magic, like, somehow, that book that she picked up should have known that she wasn't human.
1: I I agree. No, I totally do. I mean, if, if, if that is his power, which we find out that it basically is that he's there to kind of stop humans from figuring out about demons then he should be able to t- detect that a little better. And I don't understand why he can't see Charlene, but we'll get to that too. So it, I don't know, like some of it didn't add up for me there either. I, I mean, have I a thought theory supernatural that, beings. I I'll get
0: to that. Um, I mean, I could just say yeah. it now. I feel like the reason that good witches can see ghosts, like good ghosts, not evil ghosts. I feel like if Charlene were an evil ghost, he would have been able to see her but I feel like the reason why only good witches can see good ghosts is because they're meant to help them move on. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes
1: sense. I just, I'm wondering if it stays consistent throughout the whole show that, like, evil beings aren't able to see ghosts, and I wonder if we ever do get an occurrence like that again and if the show kind of sticks to the same idea. Yeah,
0: because I think the only time we've ever seen an evil being interact with a good ghost was in um, Reckless Abandon. And they were both ghosts. Like, he wasn't a demon and she was a ghost. They were both ghosts.
1: Anyways, yeah, so I think I think that that does make sense now that I think about it and we talk about it a little more and we'll find out kind of what their plan is to save Phoebe and get Charlene to come around.
0: So then we're back at the manor and we're in the conservatory and Phoebe's sitting on the couch looking through the Book of Shadows Prue walks in and she's like oh is anyone home and walks over to Phoebe and she's like oh I was actually coming to get the book what are you doing with it and she's like I'm looking for the demon that's going to kill me I just love getting those premonitions and she fills in Prue about what's been going on with Charlene she says that she found the demon who killed her it's called Libris and Prue reads from the page and says there are a whole bunch of Libris demons out there wherever humans have the potential to find unequivocal proof of the existence of demons. Prue tells her to stop what she's doing to keep the demon from killing her. And she says, I can't, Charlene's spirit can't move on unless I get justice for her murder. And Prue's kind of like, by getting murdered yourself. And she's like, well, hopefully not. On the bright side, I won't have to worry about flunking out of college. So how was your day? And then Prue says that she wants to use the truth spell to expose Gibbs. And Phoebe tells her that she can't do that. that They can't use their powers to punish the guilty. And Prue says that it's not the same thing. Phoebe says that it is. And then Prue asks why she was drawn to him if she can't help and that she was drawn to the pain on his face. And Phoebe says the pain of a father's loss. And Prue says maybe. I mean, I can't help thinking about dad and wondering if it hurts him as much not having his daughters in his life. Phoebe says, I think it does. And Prue says, yeah, I wish I thought so too, but you know, I keep on bumping up against the whole theory that if it hurt him so much, where is he? And Phoebe kind of takes her hand and they're looking at each other. And that's when Charlene walks in through the windows and calls Phoebe's name and Prue and Phoebe both jump and then Phoebe tells Prue that it's Charlene, her ghost friend. And Charlene's like, you were right about me. I went home, saw the folks crying. Then I knew it was true. I've never seen my dad cry before. Not over me, anyway. Then I got pissed. If a demon did this to me, then I want to get him. I want to prove he doesn't exist anymore.
1: All right, so I love Charlene's whole reaction when she finds out. I mean, I feel like she's such a badass. Like, she's so strong-willed and just, like, like yeah, I was shocked at first, but now it's like, you know what? I'm ready to do what I need to do to end this demon, like, get out of here. I'm done with this. Like, that's bullshit.
0: Yeah, I kind of wanted her to be a fourth charmed one. I'm like, I love your energy. Like, let's keep I know. you around a little while longer. Keep working with the
1: sisters. She's got the best attitude. I love it. She's great. <laughs> <laughs> and then with Prue, we find out what her plan was about Gibbs and how she was gonna kind of use the truth spell to make him confess, which is a solid plan. But Phoebe's right. I mean, they did learn that lesson that they can't use their powers to punish the guilty, and that that won't work out. So Prue's gonna have to come up with another way to help Clavant out, and I'm excited to see kind of how she does that and how it ties in the two themes, or our two storylines, I mean.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I will say, if I had to vote a sister for, like, most likely to use magic for personal gain, I feel like Prue is, like, my top choice, low-key.
1: Really? yeah you think she would use one too for personal gain
0: because I don't think she does it on purpose but I feel like sometimes like she's just like like she's most likely to go further than appropriate to try to help innocents. like I don't think she has bad intentions with it but like she does definitely have that like punish the guilty attitude more than I think the other sisters do
1: yeah I think I think you're definitely right right about that I I have to agree with you on that one. So, aside from that, they kind of figure out, you know, that this demon is a Libra demon, and that that's basically what their job is. Wherever people find out proof about demons, they kind of cover the tracks. Uh, we still don't know too much about what their plan is, or how they're going to solve either of these issues. Rue just wants her to stop what she's doing, but can't really do that, because she has to help Charlene, so... We don't really have any solutions to either situations at the moment. Yeah. And aside from that, the whole bringing up their dad thing, we yes. can see that the connection was about their fathers and the father figure and how it makes Prue kind of sad to see that. Um, the pain of a father's loss, wondering if their dad feels the same way. That probably is something that runs through all of their heads a lot. Um. so I understand Prue's perspective and maybe I, th- I think Phoebe's trying to say here like maybe you weren't meant to help him maybe you were just drawn to him because of your own personal issues that you kind of can't seem to let go of but we soon find out that that isn't the case
0: yeah and I remember like kind of bringing it up a little bit jokingly in the Victor episode in season one um, about how like the girls like daddy issues might continue to affect them throughout the series mm-hmm. and I feel like anytime an episode with a father comes up we definitely see it come into play for the sisters which I think is realistic because we see the same thing when it comes to like mother figures or anything that involves their mother specifically the sisters because they grew up really without either of their parents having a presence in their lives do have specific emotional issues that come from that which is very realistic and really works as part of their characters and kind of helps build their sisterhood for me
1: yeah it totally does and it it does feel very, very realistic it's relatable it's understandable um and it plays into all of their characters really well and into their ability to help others and their desire to help people who are in different situations that kind of bring up those emotions again for yeah, them
0: definitely and I like seeing the way that like they have different reactions to those parental figures and like ideas about their own parents coming up and the way that they deal with it um is interesting to me as well as the way they communicate with each other about it
1: yeah I I definitely agree so Now we are at this condo, and we see Lillian, this old lady, and she's going through a box of things, and she pulls out Leo's purple heart and lets Piper hold it, and she sits down, and she's like, he was a special man, he always went out of his way to try and help somebody, even before he shipped out, he was studying to be a doctor, you know, he'd have been a great one too, you know, he had the most marvelous touch, it was gentle, sensitive, Piper says healing and she's like yes exactly that was Leo and they said that he was doctoring a wounded soldier when it happened I'll never forget when they came to give me that news she says it sounds like you still love him and Lillian says I'll always love Leo in a certain way for so many things including helping me to move on and Piper kind of like questions this and she said Lillian says one night not long after he died Leo came to me in a dream He was bathed in the most brilliant white light that you could ever imagine. He said I was not to worry about him, that he was in a good place. And he also said that I was to let him go and that there was another love out there for me to find. And she mentions how she married another doctor and had a family and says that Leo was right. And then Piper gets up and she says that she took up enough of her time. And Lillian's like, oh, but you haven't found what you came for yet. And she says, actually, I think I have. It was very nice to meet you, Lillian. And they shake hands and she goes.
0: So, like, what did Piper
1: tell Lillian she was there for? I know, I was wondering the same thing. Like, how did you, like, what was the reason? <laughs> Literally,
0: like, what was your excuse? Like, this little old lady is just telling you her fucking life story. Like, why?
1: I know. How did this happen? How did we get here? <laughs> How'd she do that? But she's such a sweetheart. Like, Lillian, and everything she's saying, it's very sweet. And I don't think Piper's, like, upset here, you know, or jealous. Like, I think it kind of warmed her heart to see this, too, and find out a little more about Leo and kind of know that, okay, this was—they're not still in love with each other, but they'll always care for each other. And it's respectable, you know, and the way Leo wanted her to move on and everything— I think that it probably helped Piper feel a little better about the whole situation.
0: Yeah, I think, like, had Piper gone there and seen that, like, you know, Lillian had never moved on from Leo and, like, all this stuff, it would have been a lot harder to deal with. But seeing that, like, Lillian had moved on and Leo had known that she was meant to, um, it's Mm -hmm. kind of like, I think, confirming to Piper, like, okay, so Leo was probably meant to move on, too, and find me.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it definitely just calmed a lot of those thoughts in her head.
0: So then we're back in the manor in the living room, and it's night now. I don't know how much time has passed. And Charlene is telling Prue and Phoebe the last thing that she remembers, that she was going to pull out a book and then nothing, until she was back in the library again with a headache. Prue thinks that Libris must have grabbed her in the aisle and took her somewhere else. Phoebe says, yeah, the question is, how did he grab her? and this vanquishing spell isn't gonna be much use if we can't catch him first. Prue says that they need to do it in the library, and Phoebe thinks that she can try to retrace Charlene's steps to get him out in the open, and Prue and Piper can use their powers to stop him before he grabs her. Prue thinks it's risky, and she's like, how is it risky with two witches and a ghost to back me up? Prue, help me get my demon, and I promise I'll do everything I can to help you get yours. That's when, in the entryway, Piper walks in, and Prue, Phoebe, and Charlene are all, like, by the door. They tell her that they're going, and she asks who it is, and Phoebe's like, I'll explain on the way. She's like, that's my dead friend, let's go, and they all leave together.
1: I like that little leaving scene, that was cute.
0: It was. It was funny. It was, like, one of those cute little chaos scenes that I always love seeing in the show.
1: Yeah, they do great with those. So... Not too much to say here. I mean, I like their plan. It's a little a little out there, but it definitely is risky. But I guess they don't really have any other kind of way to go about this. So I'm just kind of looking forward to see what happens.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that scene was really just setting up their plan. And like you said, I'm excited to see whether it'll work out or not, or they'll have to kind of improvise on the
1: spot. Exactly. Which tends to be the case with them. (laughs) True. (laughs) So now in the library, they are flipping through Charlene's notebook. It's kind of Phoebe and Charlene over her shoulder. And she's like, you know, this is pretty accurate. You were really on to something here. And Charlene's like, obviously. She's like, sorry. And then they get up to go head for the encyclopedia. Crew and Piper are kind of sitting at a different table, but keeping an eye on things. And... Phoebe follows Charlene to the aisles and Charlene points out the book and Phoebe says that she doesn't hear any noises or anything. Um and then Prue and Piper get up and are standing like a few feet away, kind of watching. And Phoebe reaches for the book and pulls it out, but nothing happens. There's nothing there. So she turns to her sisters and like shakes her head. But then when she looks back, the demon appears and comes out and just grabs her into the portal. And Prue and Piper run towards her. And Charlene jumps in after Phoebe to try to save her, but they're gone before Piper and Prue can get in there. So, I mean, the plan worked to draw him out in the open, but... Unfortunately, Phoebe
0: has been captured.
1: (laughs) Yes, but it didn't quite save Phoebe from this demon.
0: All right, so then we're in some other room, and Phoebe comes out of the portal and kind of lands on the floor against this box, Then the demon and Charlene appear a little after her and Phoebe kind of like grabs her head. That's when the sickle appears by the demon and Charlene's like, no, and he turns towards her because he hears the voice, but he can't see her. And he's like kind of confused, but he picks up the sickle and goes to swing it. But just as he does, Charlene grabs it and stops him. So she's now able to control objects.
1: Yeah. Love how quick learning she is.
0: And I think it shows, you know, kind of her as a hero in the episode, too. Like, here she's saving Phoebe's life, and it's that desire to protect Phoebe that allows her to develop that power so early on.
1: Right. Definitely agree. I mean, from the start, we've seen that Charlene is pretty much like the sisters, you know? Very helpful, very determined, kind of stubbornness, and that desire to protect people. So, overall, loving Charlene. And I kind of... It makes me wonder if, like, maybe she's going to become a white lighter or something. Maybe she has another purpose, like like Leo did, you know?
0: Oh, I hope so. I'd love to see her back in any capacity, so that would
1: be really cool. Me too. I would love to see her again. All right, so back in the library, Piper and Prue hear a scream through, like, this vent on the ground, and they think that Phoebe must be in the basement. So Piper starts walking towards the bank basement, but Prue just, like, astral projects there. And down there, Charlene is fighting the demon for the sickle, and he goes to swing it at Phoebe, and then astral Prue appears, and she starts doing the vanquishing spell. And he blows up and drops the sickle, and Prue, like, astral projects out of there. Then Phoebe gets up, and Charlene's like, that was close. And she's like, thank God you're a quick study. Charlene says, at least justice was served. So I guess that means I'm moving on. And Phoebe smiles. And then Charlene thanks her. And she closes her eyes, expecting to go. But nothing happens. And they're both confused as to why she's still there.
0: So why couldn't Phoebe just do the vanquishing spell? Why did Prue
1: have to come and do it? I was thinking the same thing. Why why didn't she just that whole time just start saying the spell? Maybe she was, like, too disoriented and, like, hit her head? Maybe, but I don't know. Yeah, it felt a little weird to me. I mean, the vanquish was fine. It didn't seem like this was too intensive a storyline anyways. It was kind of like a quick, easy vanquish, whatever. They saved Phoebe, and, you know, it it, it felt okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, questionable, but it works.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: So then we're at back at the manor. And the sisters are all in the kitchen, and Piper's pouring them coffee. Phoebe's like, I thought you said all we had to do was get justice for Charlene's murder for her to move on. And Piper's, I I said maybe that was all you had to do. And Phoebe's like, you did not say maybe. She's like, yes, I did. I absolutely did. She's like, I did not hear the word maybe. And Piper's like, yes, you did. And then Prue tells them they aren't helping. And I will just point out that Piper didn't say maybe, but she did say probably. So... (laughs) (laughs) there's the settling for that argument but anyway (laughs) prue tells them that they're not helping and charlene floats in she's like are you sure that vanquishing spell worked i mean maybe libris isn't really gone and prue tells her that she's getting good at that and she like kind of floats herself back down to the floor and says she's just frustrated piper says maybe charlene is right and phoebe says no the spell definitely worked and prue agrees Piper asks again if justice was served, why she's still there, and Charlene gets mad and breaks a plate, then apologizes, and when she does that, the flyer of Tyra falls on top of it, and Prue notices this. She picks it up and is like, oh, well, maybe she has to get justice for somebody else. And now Prue has a plan.
1: Yes, now we have a plan and how we tie um, both our storylines together. Exactly. I will say I love the sister moment it was very much like them arguing and like talking over each other and just being like no blah 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 just the most like useless sisterly argument it felt so realistic like I do that with my siblings all the time yeah um so I thought that moment was definitely funny and I kind of like that they had this idea that Charlene was kind of meant to not only get justice for herself, but get justice for Tyra. And that's kind of why Brew was drawn to this guy and they all kind of connected, which I I do like this part of it.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. And even going back to the sibling thing, I feel like as we're getting further into the show, the writers as a group are getting better at writing sister moments, like like more of like the bickering, like annoying little things.
1: Right, right. It definitely, it's coming across more. And Yeah, I don't know whether or not it was more the writing just wasn't, they weren't getting it in the beginning, or if it was because they started out kind of being very separate and now they're reconnected and are starting to act more like siblings again. But either way, it works for me, and I kind of like the way that they show it. Yeah. So, now it is the morning time, and we are at the pawn shop. And Gibbs is there. He unlocks the door and goes in. And then he finds a flyer of Tyra tucked in the door and he grabs it and throws it away. Then Charlene walks in through the door and he goes on his computer. Obviously, he can't see her. And she turns the lock and turns the sign back to closed. And he notices this happening and he's like, Who's there? And he reaches under the register for his gun and walks towards the door. And she keeps moving things and calling his name and like as like subtle whispers kind of thing. And she picks up the guitar and starts playing chords and he shoots at the guitar. And then she starts going over to the typewriter, taunting him and typing Tyra over and over again. And then he goes to shoot again and the gun flies out of his hand. So she closes the shades and pushes him back and he's like, who are you freaking out at this point? And she's like, who do you think I am? So how does it feel to be pushed around? And he's like lying on the floor looking around and she picks up the flyer and calls him a murderer, crumpling it up and shoving it in his mouth. And then he gets up and runs through the door and he's like, leave me alone and jumps through the door and is on the ground outside now. She follows him out, and she's like, admit it. Admit you killed me, or I will haunt every minute of every day of the rest of your life. And he's like, okay, 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 I did it. I killed you. And he's, she's like, say it. Say my name, damn it. And then the sisters, Clavant, Daryl, and, like, some other officers are walking towards him as this is happening. And he's like, Tyra Wilson, Tyra Wilson. I killed Tyra Wilson. I admit it. And Clavant's like, I've been waiting a long time to hear you say that, Gibbs and Gibbs is very confused, and Daryl says that he got every word and arrests Gibbs. And Piper's like, what's the matter, Gibbs? You look like you've seen a ghost. And he looks at her, and all the sisters are, like, looking at him. And then Clavant says, I hope you rot in hell. And the other cops walk away with him, and Daryl says to Prue, how is this related to Charlene again? And she's like, it's a cosmic thing, Daryl, don't worry about it. And he leaves too. Then Clavant picks up The crumpled flyer and phoebe asks if he's okay and he's like i guess and he says it's an empty feeling you know this doesn't bring her back it doesn't take away the hurt and prue says no but at least you can move on with your life tyra would have wanted that he says i wish i could tell her how much i love her just one more time and then piper looks over at charlene and she's like i think she'll get the message and he thanks them for however they made this happen and prue hugs him and he leaves. Then Charlene looks at him past, and then at them, and says, well, even if I could never seem to please my own father, at least I could please someone else's. And proves like, I know what you mean. And then Charlene moves on, vanishing into, like, a golden light.
0: So this scene was really touching. Like, I teared up watching it, and I'm tearing up a little bit, even just, like, reading through it again. Like, it's such a sweet ending, for Clavant and like his storyline and just him and Prue together. um, I just love this. Like I have no notes. Perfection.
1: Me too. I 100% agree. Everything about it, the way they, the way Charlene kind of got Gibbs to admit it and taunt him and freak him out. And then him getting arrested and just this perfect conclusion and Clavant's reaction, you know, was so realistic. So perfect. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, you got him, like, great, my life's great now, you know, like, it was very much like, he immediately was like, yeah, well, it still doesn't change anything, like, it still doesn't bring her back, it's still really painful, which feels very realistic, but also kind of sets him a little more at peace now that he knows that his daughter's killer is put away. It was just a solid ending, the scene was amazing, everything about it, like you said, just perfect.
0: Yeah and I really love the way the switch works so well because we go from this like really funny like over the top like haunting to that ending very emotional scene and the way it moves from one to the other is really well done and I'll commend you know the writing the directing and the acting for that scene because it's just again amazing.
1: Yeah I definitely agree.
0: And I like the wrap-up of the different, like, father storylines as far as, like, the sisters and their dad, and we'll see a little bit more of that in the next scene, um, Charlene and her dad's issues, and then, of course, like, the beautiful relationship that we unfortunately didn't get to see because she was dead before the episode began between Tyra and Clivat that we're able to see just through his kind of, like, search for justice for her. Exactly. So then we're at P3 and it's nighttime and the Goo Goo Dolls are playing and the place is packed. Phoebe runs up to Prue and Piper who are by the bar and she's like, ask me how I did on my final. And Prue's like, how did you do on your final? And she's like, uh, I aced it. They just posted the grades and Prue congratulates her and Piper smiles. Phoebe says, although I did get some perspective on the test. After what happened to Charlene, it just didn't seem important anymore um speaking of perspective and she pulls out the birthday card for their dad and says that she signed it and she's like just in case he thinks of us too and then piper passes it to prue who says no i definitely don't need to sign that i mean i realize that dad is never going to be the father that cleavon is and i just need to accept that and stop thinking that magically he's somehow going to change this works for me um really well i think that even though they all came to like an understanding about like, you know, missing their dad, because I think they all do, even Prue. Prue also doesn't want to push the relationship, right? She's decided that, yes, she misses her dad, but he's never going to be who she wants to be, him to be. And so she doesn't want to set herself up for disappointment, which I understand. Whereas Phoebe and Piper, I think, are still willing to give him another chance, which is also understandable. There's no right or wrong way to act in a situation like this. How you deal with the trauma that your parents created is ultimately up to you, and whether or not you want to have a relationship with a parent who did abandon you is up to you.
1: Yeah. No, I definitely agree. I think it it works for me. It feels very realistic that it wasn't just like, oh, in the end, all three of them decided like, yeah, let's sign it, you know? Prue sticks to her guns, but still has that understanding. Like you said, I think that this kind of whole situation, it just, it did work. It made sense. It felt realistic. And Prue's perspective is completely understandable. So now um, by the stairs, we see Leo starts walking down and Piper notices him and she leaves the sisters to go talk to him. And he smiles at her and she's like, how did you get in? I thought white lighter pay sucked. And he says, I sort of didn't tell the bouncer I don't work here anymore. And she's like, hmm, imagine that. Like, you sort of didn't tell me you were married. And he looks away and he's like, I didn't tell you because I didn't want you to get upset. It was literally a different lifetime for me, one that has nothing to do with this one, with us. And she says, I know that and I'm not mad, but you can't just not tell me stuff because you think it might hurt. If we're going to have a normal relationship, at least as normal as possible, then you need to be honest with me. And he was like, you're right, I'm sorry, forgive me. And she's like, I'll think about it. And they both smile and look over at the band. And then she he asks how much she thinks Dan really knows. And she's like, I don't know, we'll worry about that later. And they go back over by the other sisters and all watch the band play. So I kind of like this wrap up between them. Everything ended up okay. And we kind of all, I mean, we had the discussion throughout about all these perspectives and pipers i like the way that she handled the situation i like the way that leo immediately understood and recognized you're right i shouldn't have done that this is why and it won't happen again basically you know
0: yeah and i think we're already seeing something that we were never seeing in her relationship with dan which is good communication and i think that's going to be the key to piper and leo making their relationship work this time around
1: I definitely agree. I mean, we talked about multiple times the communication between Dan and Piper was just not all there. Whereas with Leo, we see that they really want things to work and they're really doing everything they can in those aspects to make that happen. And then we also get the kind of subtle foreshadowing about how much do you think Dan knows? We'll worry about it later. Um, We can only assume that It's going to come back up again and Dan isn't just going to let this go.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I'm really interested to see like how many episodes we're going to have to wait for the end of that storyline to come up. And if Dan is leaving, I mean, we're almost to the end of season two. I'm wondering if he's coming back for season three or if they're going to wrap up his storyline sometime in the next four episodes.
1: Agreed. Or three episodes, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah definitely have have those things to look forward to.
0: Final thoughts on
1: the episode overall, I think it was a good episode. It was very heartfelt. I think that the storylines were good there were something there were minor flaws but overall the acting the chemistry between all the actors, the writing everything turned out great for me and I don't have too many complaints. I think it was a really, really good episode.
0: yeah, I totally agree. I think. Both the magical and personal aspects of this episode worked really well together. I think the connections that the writers were making between the three plots for the sisters flowed well together, and that's not always the case. So I really liked this one a lot. Agreed. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you want to reach out to us or follow us on social media, we're on Instagram and TikTok, at rewitched underscore pod. You can also send us an email to rewitched.pod at gmail.com. And join us back next time for Season 2, Episode 20, Astral Monkey.